Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Scuttlebutt Podcast. I'm Rich Mellon. And with me today, all the way from the far side of the country, way over on the East Coast, is Gabriel Harding. Gabriel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's it's pretty cool that that uh, I've been I was a listener, you know, one day and now I'm on the on the podcast. It's pretty cool. So, well, it's not everybody. It's not every day that, you know, somebody who's a 15 year old trapper reaches out and says, you know, uh, he'd like to chat. I I thought, well, that's pretty cool because you know what? I'm I'm a big supporter of youth in the in trapping. Yeah, it's a it's an important requirement. If we don't have the youth, we're not going to have trapping for very long. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, going like just coming into it, there's definitely a lot of people that helped, like, you know, getting me into it and even gave me gear, um, you know, traps. And they were, it seems like a lot of people really like just having new people in it because it, it definitely is something that not everybody does, you know, nowadays, well, especially. There's a change that's, that's come about in trapping. And uh, I think more so in, in uh, Canada than than in the u.s because here in canada I, I don't know about about you're in prince edward island i should tell everybody you're in prince edward island yeah that, that little island off the off the coast of canada uh home to giant bluefin <laughs> but i um in uh, the rest of canada it's all broke up into registered trap lines so it's easy yeah. to talk about um about what you're doing and, and how you're doing it because nobody's going to trap on your trap line anyway. Uh, it's yeah. not so much in the, in the U S uh, that way where, you know, people can, cause they're all, everything's open. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess. So, I mean, that's one thing that's changed when we first started doing this, we first started the, doing the TV show and uh, not so much podcast podcasts came in four or five years after the TV show, but people were like, you're telling all the secrets. And I says, well, why, what difference does it make? Right. You know, I mean, if, if we can't be successful, if we can't help one another be successful, then we're, we're just, uh, you know, we're, we're going to rule over a, a dying uh, occupation. And, and that, that's not going to be good for anything. Because whether people like it or not, trapping has to continue. Trapping is extremely important as a, a conservational tool. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. And that's what I've been like told, like a lot of people are just saying like, well, I know a lot of people around here don't think there's any money in fur and like selling it and i think there's still definitely some money but a lot of it what a lot of people are doing i know that there's still some people that you know make quite a bit of money off for like yourself and but a lot of people make their money just doing adc and stuff like that where you know they're not they're not ma- their main focus isn't the fur it's you know taking the animal off the property so it benefits you know the property as well as the species itself as well well every animal has to be managed you know uh, yeah everybody can identify with the coyotes and wolves because they eat their chickens, eat their cats, eat, you know, uh, attack children, that kind of stuff. So we all, that's a big, bad, big, bad uh, wolf. That's, that's easy to, to identify, get rid of with, but you know, the muskrat is probably one of the <laughs> most deadly animals out there because it carries tularema. And yeah. uh, we had a giant crash in the eighties in, in Alberta with, with from muskrat tularema and they, they were gone for, for a decade, but it wasn't just them that were gone. I mean, that, uh, you know, a lot of other animals can get sick from from it because they carry the disease and it passes on through the water. Raccoons, you know, are the are the number one uh, carriers for both rabies and distemper. You know, no cute little raccoon and all, but they all need to be managed. Yeah, they all, they all need to be managed, and and uh, as as you you pointed out, uh, that is uh, ADC is is becoming bigger than than what the fur trapping was. Fur trappers themselves, I think, have to go at it a little different. Um, in a little different direction. I was talking with uh, Mike Matney and uh, from uh, non-grip uh, traps, and he was talking about what now a beaver is worth to him. You know, a beaver is worth $300. And when he, in the sixties, late sixties, I think it was, he bought a truck uh, with beaver and that was $30 beaver. And everybody says, well, how come, you know, beaver still worth $30? Well, it depends yeah. on what, what you do with it. Because when you take that, that beaver and go to have it uh, tanned you know depending on where you send it to be tanned it could be 90 or 100 dollars to get a beaver tan it's that labor that has gone up you know mm-hmm. the, the the uh the beaver hide itself was still worth 30 dollars, but it's the labor to do anything with it that that's gone up and that that pickup truck that was you know i think he paid 4600 bucks for whatever you know now is is 146 thousand dollars right so i mean there's there's We've got to change and catch up with the time. A lot of people, you know, talk about um, there's no money in fur anymore and, and that they're not going to do it. But I, I prefer to look at it as just means that uh, whether it's, 
it's uh, trapping and and selling fur, or whether it's building houses and that, you have to adapt and carry on, or or you know that 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 same business plan doesn't isn't successful for for forever, right? Yeah. Let's let's talk though about you now. You're you're 15, just about yeah. 16. You told me. <laughs> well, pretty, getting close to 16. So okay, I know when I was when I was 15. The day after my fifteenth birthday, I was getting close to sixteen. I was I couldn't yeah. wait. I couldn't wait to get on with the world. Um, yeah. How 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 did you start in trapping? Well, I mean, I guess I've always kind of been like interested, not necessarily in trapping, but kind of in I don't know. I was always kind of fascinated fascinated in like guns and all that stuff. And so, um, you know. So like I and watching like watching YouTube, like watching people like yourself and I know Coon Creek Outdoors and you've probably you know probably seen him on YouTube and that really got me going, like kind of like you know, fired up. And I didn't really know much about trapping or like I I'm not none none of my family members really trap. I mean, I think I had like a grandfather that like snared rabbits and stuff, but nobody that actually like trap, trap, you know. But um yeah, just watching you, I remember watching you on winter winter days when i was like man i really wish i could be trapping right now like you know i just and i was like you know i really need to get my license and here i don't think there's an age limit age limit on you know an age minimum i should say on getting your trapping license here um obviously you have to carry you know be able to dispatch your animal or whatever but yeah just watching you and then uh i actually before i got my license i sent a letter to my uncle in new brunswick um i've yeah new brunswick and asked him if he knew anybody that had any traps and i didn't really know that you need like i wasn't super well versed with licenses and all that stuff so i just didn't i didn't know and i just asked him he ended up buying me uh, a dog proof and a couple number one uh long springs and so good uncle hank you keep on hold on to him <laughs> yeah yeah but uh um, yeah, no, before, like I knew before I knew anything about, you know, licenses or, or regulations or anything, I just was kind of just setting the dog proof around the house kind of ended up catching cats pretty much. That's pretty much what I ended up catching. <laughs> but, uh, and then I, you know, kind of got, I wanted to, you know, actually kind of get a little bit more serious about it and, and started learning more about it. And so I took my, my dad and I applied to take our, uh, uh, you know, do trappers ed. Oh, trappers okay, education. cool. And so we did that, we did that, uh, together and that was a couple of years ago. And, uh, we took that and I learned quite a bit, um, from that course, but I've also learned quite a bit just off YouTube, to be honest, like uh, there's a lot of good information on YouTube, but there's also a lot of, uh, faulty information as well. I believe there's, you know, there's a lot of guys and everybody has their own opinion and everybody has their own way of catching things. And that's Absolutely. just the way it, and that's, that's fine. Right. Like everybody, everybody has their own thing, but. I, th I yeah. think the biggest separation between uh, Canada and the U.S. probably has to do with the laws and the traps that are yeah. acceptable at, uh, yeah. or that are legal, not even acceptable that are that are legal. Mm -hmm. A lot of, um, you know, a lot of the U.S. states, uh, Washington, um, Colorado, you know, like I mean, they're all just cage trapping and that kind of stuff. So that's that's a that's a, a more restrictive gig than what we have. You know, like we we. Uh, are allowed killing traps and and uh killing snares are you allowed killing snares in in pi yeah we can't use like rams here um but we can use like free hanging snares um that are lethal yeah so what do i do you, do you have I any I, no? I think it's just i think it's just uh personally i mean it, i don't i think it's just more of a people looking into it like like people that aren't trappers um the public looking in seeing a massive spring hooked to a snare it's a little bit less than, a little bit more intimidating than just a snare hanging on a branch which is couldn't be farther from the truth um like in terms of lethality like lethalness and hey rich here sandy and i are pleased at the rapid growth of our exclusive community trapping inc at locals.com we created the community to connect more closely with our fans friends and supporters without the interference and censorship of social media companies because this community is subscriber exclusive there is no censored photos shadow banning and deplatforming 
This happens on Twitter and Facebook. Trolls are non-existent, as not a one will spend a nickel and put their money where their mouth is to protest on a paid site. You know it. We are steadily moving all Trapping Inc. YouTube videos and podcasts as quickly as time and bandwidth allow. We're tickled and surprised to see how large of library we must move. As well, we are sharing articles on trapping and guns and shooting. Our new TV series, Married to the Hunt, videos are here too. Hours and hours of never before released to the internet, hunting and fishing from around the world. Trappinginc.locals.com will be the exclusive home of all Trapping Inc. content from the past and into the future. What else is there to do? Well, there's a forum for everyone to post pictures on and interact. You can message us directly on trappinginc.locals.com as well as interact with all the other subscribers. These are all people with common interests. Get in here. This whole venture is about taking the Trapping Inc. TV community to the next level, building a community of shared interest and interacting with all of our friends. Who knows where we can go from here? Just go to locals.com and sign up for a free account. Then search for Trapping Inc. and subscribe for $5 a month. That's it. Go to locals.com to open a free account and then subscribe for $5 a month to Trapping Inc. Help us spread the truth about a way of life and the responsible, ethical management of the wild resources. Trappinginc.locals.com. Now back to the show. So are you allowed then uh, Kill Springs on the free hanger? Uh, yeah, I think we are. Yeah, I believe we are. Um, okay. Yeah, I haven't used any springs. I've mainly just been using uh, just cam locks. Uh, right. And I didn't... I. Like I was telling you, uh, last season, so 2020 was, you know, my first real season, I guess you could say. Um, but like the the spring before that, so the spring of 2020, so like February, March, just when it was, you know, the tail end of, you know, uh, within like the trapping seasons, I ended up setting that dog proof that I was just telling you about, you know, that my uncle set me. And by that point, I was like fully licensed to be a trapper and I had my license and all that stuff. And uh, I ended up uh, catching a few raccoon doing that. And uh, that was that was like just crazy coming up on it. And I remember checking him in the dark, like it's still like early morning because I was, you know, doing school or whatever and had stuff to do that day. But it just coming up and shine the flashlight and seeing those eyes, you know, glare back at me. That was pretty cool. So, <laughs> yeah, we always we always say it's like Christmas Day every time you walk up yeah. in a trap. So Christmas Day might happen three hundred times in a day for me, you know. And <laughs> yeah, walking up in traps and snares and that kind of stuff. Uh, so this was your full your first full full season then. Yeah, right? just the season we just had. Yeah. Uh, and what what animals are available to you? Pretty much, uh, we don't have wolves, we don't have Martin or Fisher, um, we don't have otter, but pretty much everything else. Uh, unless so muskrat, something beaver, coyotes, yeah, muskrat, beaver, skunk. coyotes, fox, yeah, skunk. Um, actually, the season for skunk here, there's no, for some reason, and I don't know why, because uh, I'm not sure if that's the same way here, but we can trap skunk all year round without even a nuisance permit or anything. It's just in the book, you can, there's no closed season for skunk and squirrel. So you can yeah. trap those. I could go out right now and trap those. I don't know why. But... That, I mean, those particular rules exist everywhere. I mean, we have animals yeah. like that, that, that too here. Uh, and you know, when I was a kid, uh, red squirrel was a fur bear. So, I mean, you mm-hmm. couldn't shoot them or anything else. That was, that had to be only, that was only a trapper that could, that could uh, kill them in any way, shape or form. And then, then that changed. And, and now you can actually, you know, you can shoot them if, if you want to. But squirrel just actually uh, got valuable. They were yeah. the red squirrels. What hit two dollars up? Uh, we're averaging like two dollars in the in the last auction. That was that was pretty cool. Like so, right now, yeah, yeah. Like last, I was actually kind of surprised about because I I did ship a few fur, or a few fur, some fur, and uh, I was actually surprised. I ended up getting seventeen forty for a raccoon. So, oh, that's nice. I think, I think that was pretty good. I think I I did pretty good on that. And then like uh. I ended up shipping two beaver. Um, the bigger one, I one I think was a large, sold for like twenty four bucks or something. And uh, the small didn't sell, but I ended up shipping one weasel as well, and ended up getting like two something for him. And uh, <laughs> and both my coyotes, I ended up shipping two coyotes, and they both sold for fifty five, I think fifty five dollars, something like that. Even though one was blue, and one was like mid season, 
but they both sold for the same. They must have just grouped them together. I don't really know how how that would really work, but they often uh, they just look at the fur, right? How thick yeah. the fur is, yeah. and you give it a snap and look into it, and you can see how thick and heavy it is. That kind of stuff. It's an art form. Like those guys handle thousands of coyotes yeah. in a day, and Crazy. they are so quick at it. It's like you you wonder how they can how uh, they can make a, a judgment call that fast. But I think it's mostly just it's muscle memory. You know, like there's just boom. Yeah. You know, their their brain tells them something, and they just keep going, going, going. It's just, it it's a uh, it's quite the talent. Just looking out my window here and, and uh, out of my uh, office, and I see I got a, a white-tailed deer out here, and she's <laughs> huge. She hasn't she hasn't dropped a young one yet. <laughs> wow. And we don't have deer here. We don't have deer. No. Or moose or moose or bear at all. No. Just. Well, uh, how big is PEI? Like. Um, it's it's not it's not uh I don't know I feel like it's not as small, but I've. Like it's, you can drive from one end to the other and like, probably like, uh, if you're just driving, I'd say probably like two to three hours or something. Oh, really? Okay. But like, I, I don't know, like I've never, we never really, my family and I like myself have never, we never really driven like just, we're going to drive from one end to the, we've never done that. We never driven, like driven the whole thing, but yeah, it's. Well, I'm, 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 uh, in the winter time, I'm three hours from my door to the door of my cabin. <laughs> and, yeah and, like that's that's one thing that that's definitely different from from other places like like my dad was telling me like when he was a kid he used to go to hockey practice and it would take him a couple hours to drive to hockey practice you know but here i can drive like pretty much most of your driving like it's like 20 minute drives 20 minutes to town 20 minutes you know 20 minutes back and okay. uh yeah so yeah, you don't have to drive very far to get places here. And how how many people live in in Prince Edward Island? I think so. I'm like two hundred thousand, so it's fairly like fairly populated, definitely. Um, the large uh, city is uh, Charlottetown. Yeah, Charlottetown's the capital. So, and how many um, how many are there? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. No. Probably. <laughs> I I don't really pay attention to that those numbers much, but probably. I don't know. There's, there's quite a few people who live in Charlottetown, but but you're you live mostly in a rural area then. Yeah, out in the country. Yeah, I live in a, a area Belfast. That's where I live, and so there's. But uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's not like any type of wildernessy or anything, but it's fairly out in the sticks. So are you then? Is it like agricultural, partially agricultural, or? Yeah, like most of most of. PEI is actually fields, you know. Okay. There's the potatoes, uh, no, right? Yeah, potatoes, big thing. Um, blueberries is, you know, fairly good. And we used to grow oh, tobacco cool. here, but no, nobody really grows tobacco here anymore. <laughs> People still smoke it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And other stuff too now, but yeah, yeah it's all legal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, if I remember now, this is going back from when I learned about PEI as a kid, probably younger than you, which is getting back into the dusty annals of time, but <laughs> something about red clay, right? Yeah, dirt's pretty pretty red here. Yeah, we got like a lot of iron in it, I think that's what it is. And, our, and yeah, where our clay or, or gumbo is, is all blue, blue and gray. Okay. And, and uh, but it does it dry up really hard when, when the yeah, clay dries? Yeah. It can dry pretty hard, yeah. And then some, like like I said, but like a lot of the places are, you know, potato fields. So it's pretty, fairly like, fairly airy soil, um, you know, quite a lot of it. But there are definitely hard spots. And, you know, that plays into trapping. Like a lot of people here, um, footholding isn't very big here. Like in fur coyotes and fox. Um, when people think, I know like Nova Scotia guys are fairly big on footholding. But uh yeah, here a lot of people are snare, like they snare quite a bit here, just with the free hanging. And uh, I, I'm going to be honest, uh, you know, I was when I where I went through my trapper's ed, um, you know, he was kind of trying to like sh shy me away from trying footholding, and I really wanted to try footholding, but you know, he knew quite a lot. But I think it's honestly comes down to, I'm not sure if he, and I'm just saying this, but I don't think even in the past people did a lot of footholding here, so I don't think people 
like most trappers uh, weren't shown how to foothold, at least properly. Um, so that's why I feel like a lot of people are like, ooh, footholding, you know. But uh, but yeah, I know a lot of people hear snare and uh, footholding. Yeah, the clay, it's really nice to pack, pack around your trap, but that can also be a bad thing when it gets really wet, so. I think with footholding, I think there's still that connotation, right? And everybody, everybody's worried. Back in the days, we used to call them the leg hold trap, and and they were, they were the the reason that we had so much trouble with with the uh, anti fur people and all that, and yeah. the reason that ajitas happened, and yeah. that we we brought in you know offset jaws and, and rubber mm-hmm. traps and all that kind of stuff. Uh, sometimes too, though, <coughs> excuse me. Sometimes those old fellas um they don't bother telling you something that they that that they think is less productive you know and yeah yeah. it's hard to compete with snaring especially in our country where it freezes you know i mean you Mm -hmm. can still you can still set set footholds for for coyotes and wolves and all that but you know your your check laws you know factor into that as well you know and then all of a sudden you've got a lot of a lot of travel to do for that what what are your check laws um so it's for snares we have to check every 48 hours and anything like a restraining trap that's meant you know to hold the animal alive that's every 24 and then for some reason uh we can check every three days for water traps like that are designed to drown or like a con bear i don't know why it's not three days for snares but i was told it's just because i don't know it's just people are more i think a lot of the laws that quite a few of the laws are meant to protect the public from thinking badly about trapping in a way if you know what i mean um you we call it ballot box biology out here mm-hmm. <laughs> where we're basically you're you're worrying about uh, about emotion the sensibilities where yeah when an animal when a trap kills why would you have a check time on it yeah exactly like especially if it's cold like well, if it's if so, for southern like for people in, you know, in like Southern states, um, I can see them wanting to check them more frequently because of like spoilage and stuff. Cause that, go, yep. you know, make your fur could go to waste very easily, but definitely, especially like, you know, in Alberta and more wilderness, you know, to Brunswick. Um, I don't see why there need to be, you know, certain check lots. Definitely. I think it'd be up to the trapper to decide for killing stuff, obviously for killing for, you don't want it to go to waste. I mean, that's, that's, what's important. I mean, yeah, but you also, if you're running a big trap on, there's only some, so, so often you can get around, you know, and there's a point where you're counterproductive, especially like, like wolf sets and that, I mean, you can bother them too much. I set my wolf sets up so that I, I can view most of them from a distance, right? You know, I might have to stop, you know, on the trail and that, but I don't have to go in and look at each one of them to, to see if there's something there or not. I can usually get fairly close and I can see what's going on. You know, if you see me walking in and through my, my uh, wolf set, it's because, uh, you know, there, there's something that I want to show. Um, you know, as far as, I guess, I guess maybe they mandate check laws because some people aren't exactly, um, you know, ethical and, and they do let things go to waste. I know mm-hmm. I have friends down like in Alabama and their raccoons there, there's a meat market for them. And okay, so yeah. they use the, they use the, good meat. the, the dog proof uh, on them so that they're alive when they get them in the morning and then they can kill them. And then right away, they deliver them to the meat market. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's totally different than what we do. You know, I mean, uh, one, we don't have any raccoon here. So I, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> and nobody would eat, ever eat a Martin or a, <laughs> or a coyote. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, it's been done. It's been done. Oh, I know people that have done it once yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but they never they don't do it the second time <laughs> yeah. so i mean I, I don't i don't understand check laws on something's kill uh being killed uh other than if you have you know a coyote snare in a ditch or something and people see something dead there and, and it lays there mm-hmm. for a while you know that yeah, yeah. Th- that can give us all a black eye but that's more yeah. a best practices thing that's more uh a responsibility a, you know being yeah. responsible and that and that's the kind of thing that you always have to be aware of you know yeah uh, you know one of the, when you talk about that you know one of the issues you have is is a lot of the 
the uh, pictures that you know trappers will put up on on the internet and that you know i understand the joys of of uh you know seeing a coyote in the uh foothold for the first time and you walk up yeah. and howls at you and all that but people get owly if you take and you film all that before you dispatch the animal mm-hmm. you know and and i guess i can i can understand that because they they feel that you know the animal is suffering they're not they're not yeah, suffering yeah I mean, you get a few years under your belt and you'll walk up on caves that are sound asleep. They'll be mm-hmm. in the foothold and they'll be sound asleep. They're just sitting there waiting, right? You know, they're, they're being restrained. And I know uh, I got friends who trap in, in uh, Michigan and in Michigan, they're not allowed lethal springs or lethal yeah. snares, pardon, pardon me. Okay. So they, a lot um, of the states are like that. Yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah, exactly. And they're very short snares as well so that they can't entangle and, and kill yeah. that way. And, you know, so they, they walk up and the animal will be laying there sleeping, right? It's just, yeah. you know, it, it, it's waiting for whatever. I mean, animals, uh, animals within minutes, however, whatever has happened to them within minutes is the, is the new reality. It's their, the new normal. And like we've all been saying, going through this virus <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh, no, don't mention that. <laughs> is that a bad, is that a bad deal back there? <laughs> out, out, out east? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean. It's definitely a different world. Ah, and we'll, we'll be back to normal, don't I? Flat. That's the part that I get a kick out of. Is so many people are saying, "Oh, we'll never be the same again." <laughs> <laughs> world has definitely gone through stuff in past worse than this, and it's turned around. So, well, the the, the odd part about it, and and uh, this probably isn't something that a fifteen year old wants to talk about, but but the odd part part about it is that is that they all seem to think that that the world wants a reset that we that we're all going to quit driving and flying and 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 living life wrong as, as soon as as soon as the i want to keep driving and flying <laughs> better believe it i'm on the first plane smoking i don't know where i'm going but i'm i'm getting the hell out of here and going and going off off traveling somewhere i've we've we've canceled a lot of trips on account of this stuff and yeah and it's just uh it's already already been talked about too much. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. That's for uh, sure. With uh, with the, uh, I was surprised that you have a a check uh, check law for for water for for drowning sets. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I I don't make the laws. That's for sure. But uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know why. I don't. I mean, I guess. I mean, like we just said, I mean, it's a lot of it's just for that. So you don't see something, but for sure, water. Uh, I mean, nobody really goes and looks in the culvert, especially in wintertime. Okay. Um, but when, like, hmm, go ahead. Uh, when, when do your season start? When you talk about the wintertime, when, when do your season start? So for uh, October the 15th, we can trap coyotes. We can't snare them, but we can trap coyotes and we can trap raccoon. And then uh november the first uh water stuff opens up and then uh we also have this weird thing where if you're trapping raccoon uh october before november the first you have to set three meters away from the waterway so that you know you don't catch a mink i guess that's what they're trying anyway but anyway yeah and then so november 15th basically everything opens up at that point uh i'm not sure if fox opens up november the first but then yeah november the 15th we can start snaring and yeah, basically November 15th, everything's open and, uh, uh, snaring ends probably sometime in February. I think maybe February 15th. I have the book over there. I could check for you, but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I just ask it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have a, fa- a fairly substantial season then. Oh yeah. 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 You can, yeah. Pretty much trap raccoons from October 15th to March 31st. So sounds like you have a nice raccoon there. Uh, when you're talking about your your price on your beaver too, your beaver must be the black eastern beaver. Like yeah, they're yeah color. they're black. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I was I'm talking jealous. to one. I was talking to one guy, and uh, he he went up to. He's a great great guy. He showed me quite a, quite a bit this season for fur handling and you know trapping as well, and uh, went and set some beaver stuff with him. But he was saying he went up to fur harvesters like uh, North Bay or whatever, and he they were kind of giving them like a tour or whatever, and he looked at you know one of the beavers and they're like more red color i'm not sure if yep. that's what yours are like yep and he, and he asked like he was like what is that you know 
because here it's he's, he thought he didn't know what it was but here you know yeah beavers definitely black blacker here and you you must have it you have a lot of muskrat there yeah quite i think yeah quite a few um so uh about a third of them would be black too then right i guess i mean i never really pay much attention to the colors but yeah they're they're pretty dark okay yeah so. we don't get I've, I've never caught a black muskrat in my life i know that i know people from like the wisconsin dells and the new jersey swamps and that kind of stuff and about a third of them they ran one third to two thirds black to brown but uh you're you know we occasionally we catch black beaver out here um you know I've, if i catch you know 50 beaver in the winter one of them might be black that's about it you know and yeah the black is very pretty very very pretty yeah it really is when uh so are you trapping on on your own land are you trapping on neighbors lands do they are you doing like adc or or, or what how's it working for you so i do some trapping we, we we my family really doesn't own much land at the moment um i think we, we own about four acres but uh luckily there's a dairy farm right behind me you probably can't see it but uh they let us they let me do they're they're really great for giving me permission to do stuff like kind of hunting trapping fishing all that stuff so they've got quite a bit of land um behind our place and behind their place and they just bought i think 300 acres or more and uh so yeah they're, they're mainly trapping on their land quite a bit and then i have another another guy uh, my dad's friend and he lets me trap on his uh his land he's a blueberry farmer so that's where i caught my first coyote uh on a blueberry field so well that's cool i've I mean, I've, I've picked a lot of wild blueberries. Like they grow wild here on the, yeah, especially in the sand and that, but I've never been in an actual domestic blueberry crop. I think Canada's like number one or number two for blueberries. It's blueberry exports as well, right? And I, I guess I didn't know that there, was, that, that was, there was some of that back east as well. I know BC is big, like the, the Okanagan mm. and that. There's a lot of blueberry crops and that over, over towards Vancouver and like, driving by them it's, it's pretty miraculous but hey folks rich from trapping Inc. tv here and we all have our idea of the perfect morning you know what i'm talking about for me the perfect morning starts with the aroma and flavor of freshly brewed old smokes coffee studies have shown that just the smell of fresh coffee can boost brain activity no kidding well that's certainly no secret to me i can barely talk before that first cup <laughs> just ask sandy I'm a dark roast man, and Old Smoke's Coffee's darkest roast, Stout Maple, is what gets my day in gear. Extra dark, it's strong, aromatic, and smooth. Gets me revved up for whatever that day throws at me. Old Smoke's roasts their coffee over wood fires, the old-fashioned way. Wood roasting takes more time, much longer than modern hot air roasting. Slow roasting over wood takes the bitter out of the bean and imparts a heavenly taste and aroma from the wood smoke. Old Smoke's makes a roast perfect for each person. There are five roasts, from light to extra dark, each roasted over a different wood for a unique flavor. Did you know the darker the roast, the lower the caffeine content? It's true. Caffeine is a volatile oil that evaporates with roasting. The lightest roast has the most caffeine, and the darkest roasts have the most flavor. Right now, you can order from their online store and use our promo code RICH. That's R-I-C-H and get 10% off your entire order. Pretty simple. Just go to www.oldsmokescoffee.com, that's O-L-E smokescoffee.com, and use the promo code RICH. That is promo code RICH for 10% off your entire order. And now let's get to today's show. When, you're, when you uh, trap these situations in, I mean, footholding is going to be much more... Uh, a much more targeted uh, system than or, or do, are you guys allowed to use baits for for snaring yeah so there's we're allowed to use bait but when you're setting so it's kind of weird and it's there's a lot of loopholes and stuff and a lot of things that are kind of like almost gray areas but uh yeah so for snaring uh we can use bait but when the bait is exposed you have to have your snare set 50 meters away Okay. And if it's, if your bait is like, uh, they say not visible, undetectable from the air, I think is the wording they use in the regulation. Yeah. Um, so that, that gets kind of some people, I'm sure, you know, there's probably quite a few, I'm sure every conservation officer probably has a different 
understanding your opinion on that, but I think, yeah, I think most of them it's, it's whether the, uh, you know, a, a true attempt was made. Like, I yeah. mean, I've, I've yeah. trapped in places or, or been with people trapping in places where it was, had to be not visible. And so they would cover with spruce boughs or whatever. Right. And so that it wasn't visible, but the whole idea was, was birds. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. Yeah. birds is the biggest reason why we use bait, <laughs> you know, because we, we get, I, I dump a ton of, of bones and butcher scraps out there and, and uh, you know, the magpies and, and ravens are there the next day and they're make, kicking up a fuss and that brings the coyotes. But we, you know, set our bait out in an opening and then in, go into the trees to set the, the snares and that just so that we don't end up catching birds. There's yeah. a lot so of, there's pe- no, go there's ahead. no like, uh, there's no like the bait 50 meters away rule there. No, nope. is it kind of just, you can do whatever kind of thing. No, but I mean, everybody knows that if you're too close, you're going to catch birds and you don't yeah. want to, right? Uh, we don't have uh, eagles that stay here during the winter. Not very often anyway. Sometimes sometimes okay. the balds uh, come back in um, early in, in February if, if, if the weather is, is warm enough, that kind of stuff. So bald eagles uh, might show up on your bait, sometimes golden eagles, but... But I mean, I'm I'm back from it anyway because why why would I want to have? Here's the thing that most people don't think about: if I have my snare or my foothold or whatever right at the bait, or with you know within a stone's throw of the bait, and and the birds of course are on the bait and everything, uh, I get a coyote in it. The coyote, uh, you know, so it's a killing snare. The coyote dies in that. What do you think those yeah. birds are going to eat? They're going to pick on that frozen carcass there, or they're going <laughs> to go after that warm coyote? You know, like yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't want, to, I don't want to lose my, my fur. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. our, our, our Western coyotes are worth a lot of money, and so I mean, we, we, we take care of those situations. Oh, it's only, only people that uh, inexperienced people that will, will set too close. Yeah, that's a, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, you definitely don't want your coyotes to get picked up by birds, and that happens anyway, doesn't it? Sometimes, sometimes it, it, it does. Mostly. Well, more frustrating than that, though, is catching a coyote out on a wolf bait because the okay. first thing the wolves eat is the coyote. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Unlike, unlike the eastern wolves and coyotes that get along and produce koi wolves or whatever, our our version of a koi <laughs> wolf is is a bunch of uh, coyote fur and and a couple wolf turds. That's that's a koi wolf. <laughs> when they're done processing them, <laughs> yeah, I, I get, uh, and I mean, so I don't I don't set. Uh, snares very often around uh, a wolf bait for coyotes uh okay you know you will have coyotes come to every wolf bait no question mm-hmm, yeah sometimes yeah. you've got them sneaking in and and you'll you'll be able to pattern them if if the snow conditions are right and and you'll know that you know they they will come in a certain way and all that and then usually it's it's going to be the trail that leaves the bush the closest to the to the bait because they're going to want to stay undercover and, and out of way and and you know they'll play with the wind and that kind of stuff just so that if wolves are on the bait they don't get caught coming in right it's 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 pretty interesting in those situations yeah you can you can uh put a snare out but you got to be careful it's got to be where you know if they're if the wolves are on the bait and that when that coyote gets caught they, they pick up on that on that uh coyote struggling or whatever you know and it only takes a minute or two well that's all the time they'll they'll have it eight before it's done struggling <laughs> yeah that's yeah that must be annoying when that happens but um another one thing i want to mention what's kind of weird is that you, there's no limit to set footholds away from like bait piles or whatever yeah so i can just go up and set a, a foothold right there but uh a lot of guys like especially there where where you have like you know registered trap lines and quite a, quite a lot of land that you need to you know maneuver it wouldn't really make sense for a lot of people to just set a foothold by your bait pile. Like, cause a lot of guys just use you know, snaring. I, I haven't seen anybody that does that specifically sets footholds around their bait piles. I know, I know of, of people that do, but they, they usually, they usually will set up away from it. It'll be 50 to hundred yards away and they'll, they'll set up like a people. Uh, yeah. 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 Set up. And, and so, you know, cause the, the, the coyotes are, will will go service that people on their way in and out of the uh, of the bait and it's actually a, a very productive uh, setup and in other yeah. places is uh, you know when they they drag off a, a hide because um, we use butcher scraps so uh, you know when deer and moose season that's going on you go I go get a dump trailer full of butcher scraps and well 
right away the coyotes start dragging away those hides they, you know, there would be a, you know, a, a half a deer hide or whatever. They start dragging them into the bush and all that. Well, that can be a good place to 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 do a flat set, you know, a foothold flat set next to one of yeah. those, you know, because they're already used to the fact that that you know they drug that 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 uh, uh, hide back there, and so it, it's become like a mini bait pile. It's away from the large bait pile. It's in the bush. I mean, you could go around and throw stuff in the bush, but you know, you're never never going to know when they're going to find it or, or whatever this they've created. And so it's a situation that you can take, take advantage of in a flat set. It's kind of like, it's in a funny way. It's like the, uh, the hay bale set or the, um, or the uh, um, uh, tire set, you know, where you have okay, a tire yeah. sitting out in the, out, out in the pasture, or whatever, well, every coyote or fox is going to go pee on it. Right. Cause it's a, well, yeah. it's, it's a feature. You know, yeah, it's, of, of a field, it's a feature. It. And so they, they got to go, go check it out. A lot of, that's a great place to, to, to make a set as well. Right. You can put a, yeah. you can put a flat set or, or, or a dirt hole set inside that, that uh, spare tire lay in there, you know, that, and uh, you know, a lot of people are, are very successful that way. So that's the, the, the kind of the situation that where, where we'll, uh, you know, set footholds around, around bait and that, but it's obvious that you can put your your foothold right up to the bait that they're worried about birds you know i mean yeah. you, you know if you're setting a foothold for a coyote you know you're going to want you know uh three 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 or four maybe even five pounds worth of, of pan pressure well no birds are ever going to set that off yeah exactly yeah you know where uh, birds I, i've seen a lot of birds get caught to uh, uh, a lot of uh, crows and ravens that kind of thing get get tied tied, tied up in uh, snares um mm -hmm. i released one one time a, a uh bald eagle uh, we were over, over visiting with people in saskatchewan and you know the guy was had a heart attack he didn't know what to do well the only thing i was scared of <laughs> was was it the the eagle you know i mean because I, I could throw a a coat we ended up throwing yeah. a, a carhartt coat over top of it and, and holding it down but he was in a uh a wolf ram so oh. at, some, at some point if he if he struggled it was going to go off and and i mean it's not <laughs> as deadly lethal as what everybody thinks but the mm. best time for it to go off is when everything's stretched out right so if if you've got the um uh you know if, if it just comes loose what and and the, everything's not stretched out well that that compression there's a difference between it being knocked off of the of the trigger and it being compressed off and, and going right so when a coyote or whatever gets into it it's being compressed that spring is, is is being compressed and then it just lifts off and and it's it's under pressure but if if it were the animal is there and and it were to be knocked off well it's not a, a, you know it's still it's still tight like this but it's not compressing the, the the back part of that spring well then it is explosive right and that's the situation we were in with this bird you know it, it closer i get to it it starts a bad flopping. deal well it starts flopping around and it gets tang you know it, ha it hangs that uh ram up on a on a uh, little uh bush or whatever well it could actually knock that off and then we then you got a, a four foot range of death there when the <laughs> thing goes around but we, we, we got him out of there and, and let him go and he flew away and it was it was no big deal i mean if you don't panic in those situations things usually work out when uh do you do like dirt holding or uh, like i mean foot holding or or do you do you have uh, just blind set? I mean, what, what's when you're when you're footholding? What, what's your your favorite set? I like I like uh, I'm big I'm I like the the dirt holes. I I have set flat with flat sets, and I didn't really have much luck with them. But that's probably because I wasn't trapping. I didn't have that too many foothold traps out. But I really like the the dirt holes, and I find that uh, like I, we were talking about bait. I had. Uh, just some raccoons like from some of the raccoons that i caught and i i was you know because once you're done skinning them and you can give them back to nature and the coyotes will come around come along yep. and eat them yep but uh and i was setting probably like maybe for like 50 yards away or something i had a dirt hole set and i ended up catching three coyotes off that one dirt hole set oh good and uh so that was pretty cool and then yeah so like foot holding dirt hole set is like so far my favorite and i haven't been doing it for that long right but so far the dirt, dirt hole is my favorite and I, I, I have tried snares. Like I have done, I have, you know, set a few snares and I had somebody show me how to do those. And, uh, I ended up catching one coyote off snare and I actually have kind of a funny story. Like, um, so here you're supposed to, so we have like, uh, I'm assuming it's the same here, but 
uh, the same there in Alberta, but uh, you have to use like a certain size cable, right? Like there's a minimum here. Um, the minimum is five sixty fourths, and uh, a lot of people like using like most people use five sixty fourths just because I don't know. I guess it's a smaller, like less detectable. I guess you could say. But I had one coyote, so I was coming up. I was you know doing a tree line. I set like a because it was on a field, right? And so I was setting that tree line you know, openings that they would go in and out or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, so, um, I don't know how many snares I had there. Probably like, I think I had like 12 on that tree line. And so I come up and I, it's late. It's, it's dark and it gets dark pretty early in the winter. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I first saw, I just see, I was just praying that I had something cause I, I wasn't successful, uh, you know, up to the, that point, but I ended up seeing like, you know, the big circle and all my blocking and whatever is all messed up there. And there's no coyote there and the snare's gone. And so the, the coyote must've been in there, you know, it, and it's not, you know, he was, he ended up being, he ended up being pretty fine, but, uh, <laughs> but we ended up, he ended up chewing out. Right. Cause if I, you know, it, I'm not sure if it was just the way I had it set up, but sometimes they do chew out. Right. And uh, so yep. we ended up chewing out and I ended up seeing that first and I felt so crappy. Like, I was just like, oh, I have a coyote out there with, you know, a snare on its neck. That's not good and whatever. But I ended up catching him a couple snares down. Uh, oh, good. The same coyote. And at first, I didn't know it was the same coyote. But uh, and then I saw that he was like, oh, he has two snares on. I was like, that's that's double points. <laughs> well, part of that here in Alberta, we can use any like uh, I don't know that there's a minimum size. I know. On power rams, uh, there's a 364 that you can use okay. uh, on the power on the uh, coyote ram. Um, a lot of people use 116th. Uh, I use okay, one, yeah, 116th, yeah. but I use kill springs on everything. I really like the lights out uh, snaring uh, kill spring. He's was, got a yeah, monster I was, spring. I was yeah. listening to that podcast yesterday, actually. Yeah, he's got a monster pretty spring and, and uh, a nice setup. And I, I, I like the fact that it's a system and a I'm a tool yeah. guy, and so when it becomes a system like that, you know, it's it's very attractive to me. Uh, you end up with situations, though, where uh, we have discovered, especially like with coyotes, is that our coyotes have very, very heavy fur. So mm -hmm. by yeah. the time they're hitting their winter heavy coats and that, we're doing a lot of stuff to try and uh, overcome that fur so that, that that snare does the proper job. I got, I got a snare right here I can show you. Look at this. This is from, this is like an inch uh, or two and an eighth by, by two and, uh, and a half. That, that's actually off of a, a coyote. You can see okay. how, it, how it bound up there. You can see there's a little bit of fur in it and that kind of stuff. But yeah, you can see yeah. how, how this, this particular lock takes, puts a kink in the snare, and then the big spring is over here. And well, it's not even, it's not even fully extended, but that, that's how, how tight that tightens down. Well, that's oh. what you need to be able to compress those carotids. You know, the carotid arteries is, is what needs to be compressed and then they just gray out and they go down and, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's over with. But we have so many problems where uh, you were talking about a cam lock where that cam lock goes in there and right away it, it picks up some hair in there. So mm -hmm. sometimes hair gets stuffed in between the cam lock and, and the uh, cable. And of course, then it's on those teeth. Well, then it can't dig in and it can't bind and it can't do its job. You know, there's, so on, until we started getting really serious uh, springs and, and, you know, like a spring in conjunction with this kind of a, uh, of a lock and that it, it was, you know, we were, it, things were hit and miss. And here in Alberta, we're going more and more towards everything being lethal. Like there's not, yeah. you're not going to be able to have a, uh, a snare that isn't lethal here soon. It's, it, we want, we want to have, get the job done and, and over with. So uh, we uh, had, had the problem with, you know, you could end up with catch five in a row and boom, 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 you know, and before we started using kill springs and that, you know, and cam lock was with, with you know, those tooth cam locks was the big thing. And then you might have two in a row that, that shoot out and, and that was, because of that situation, because you end up where it's not being able to lock down far enough to get the job done. And, and uh, it, we, that's, that's unfortunate. So we've done, the, you know, FIC, the French Institute of Canada is studying all these kill springs and snares and all that. We're going at it, the, you know, the scientific way to, to make sure that we can be as, as uh, 
humane as possible with the, in, in these situations. You never know what's going to cause a situation because the biggest thing when, when all of these traps are looked at, when it's the uh, the uh, body grip traps and and how how quickly they have to do their job, the fact uh, of it is is that they go with an eighty percent. Okay, um, my one twenty Belial that I use on Martin have to kill that Martin in one hundred twenty seconds, eighty percent of the time. The, okay, yeah, that because you can't take that factor that that animal you can't factor that variable is that you know is that animal what condition that animal is in when he when he hits that trap or hits its snare so they go with an 80 percent factor which is you know i i think it's a it's a fair fair on both sides of the equation both for the animal and both for for trying to to develop a system uh we uh like with these big kill springs i use 1 16th on on coyotes and i use 332nd on wolves a lot of people are going to the one sixteenth and wolves. Um, I've had uh, mixed uh, success with that, but mm -hmm. the, these big springs are, are uh, a bonus. And because he's got a system that supports that big spring, that was always the problem we had before with, with the forerunners of, of that, like the Seneca. And that was, you always had this whammy that you had to wedge in there and, and, and uh, then it would fall and it, or it was droop and, and that, that kind of stuff. It was, it became, uh, it became frustrating. And a lot of people then just ended up going away from the springs because of that. But I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying though, that you feel bad when something like that happens, but what you have to do is just look at what happened and, and what can you do different? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I was thinking about maybe switching to three thirty seconds or maybe just make sure put more time into you know, thinking about, you know, where your snare is and what kind of entanglement, you know, is there because entanglement, you know, is okay. So if, if, if you're not using a kill spring, how long are your snares? My like, like you mean, cause so the snares that I had weren't very long, but I had them on like obviously an extension to wrap them around a tree or whatever. Okay. Uh, fairly long, fairly long. Um, I'm not sure exactly. Maybe like five, six feet, maybe. Okay. So, you know, my snares are five, five six feet and then they go on an extension after that <laughs> so, okay. so, so you're you're, yeah. you're short in comparison uh like yeah. for, for on when, it, when i'm doing free hanging as compared to doing something like the, the lights out snaring which has its all its own system and everything but what um what we found in our years of snaring coyotes and that was is that if you put them on you know if you had a a, a five foot snare and then put it on another five foot extension or whatever was to anchor it up high Okay. You know, yeah. Yeah. If, you, anchor, yeah, if yeah. you could anchor it onto a tree up at uh, up at your head height or whatever, that helped the resetting because you know pulls, when those, pulls up higher in there. Well, what happens is that coyote when he hits in that first, it's it's like, have you ever? Do you have a dog? Do you have a pet? We used to. Yeah, we have cats and stuff now though. But okay, the first time you ever put one on a leash, you you know what kind of circus that is? They just go. Yeah. Right yeah. Now, yeah. It goes goes strange and they're jumping up and down all well that's what the coyote does the first time that that snare tightens up then he turns around and he backs away from it and pulls okay and that's when he'll reset it up here and get right right in here nice and tight that's and if that if you're anchored up nice and high then that's going to pull his head like this it's going to help it slide that's that's what what we learned in in the years before we started getting into the kill springs and all okay right? that's interesting was to anchor nice and high and of course uh you know the longer it is the the, the better better chance you have for entanglement as well i mean yeah. entanglement helps you a, a big pile yeah it really does yeah so were Especially. you just blind setting on on trails then was that was that what you were doing or did you have yeah, bait there pretty, no there wasn't any bait uh i mean I, I did have some coon buckets down there but that's not really considered bait um but yeah no there were just just openings that you know they might happen to that when they're traveling that they're curious and go in through there or whatever you'll see little spots and stuff but no like serious like that's a trail trail it's just more of and there's a big there's it's definitely snaring it's definitely i would consider trapping in art as well but snaring for sure like there's you know guys will i'll be walking and like when i was shown and i'd be walking he's like stop and then looks in and he like points out this i'm like oh yeah like something you'd never really realize but coyotes are definitely in fox too are traveling that for sure you know just another going thing in and you out. can do too is get down in your knees. If you get yeah, down on yeah, your knees helps, and, yeah. and look at it from their height, then yeah. th then the world changes. The whole your whole aspect of the world changes. Do you have a lot of coyote there? Like, is our coyote a problem or? 
Um, there's they can be definitely a problem for some people. Um, there's not like a, there's not like a ridiculous amount of them, but we definitely have quite a quite a good population of them. Um, we definitely we have quite a lot of fox as well. Okay, so do you have uh, mange and and uh, shoulder mites in, in your population there? There is. I've never caught. I don't think it's like that common, but I could be I could be wrong. It might just be my area, but I haven't caught one that had you know mites or or mange or anything yet so that's good don't get don't get it started yeah <laughs> <laughs> i had two baits last year that i ran and i i took 20 off of one and 21 off the other nice. the one bait i had two that i couldn't skin and the other bait i had two that i could skin <laughs> it's it's just man just, yeah yeah because i mean the, the the bait of course were all of the uh, infected animals that were was an area that i hadn't trapped before nobody had been trapping and and that's just what happens. They get overpopulated and they and they pass it between one another so much, right? Coyotes mm -hmm. aren't aren't as bad for that as as wolves are. Cause I mean, if one wolf <laughs> in the in the pack gets sick, they they all get it, right? And uh right, yeah, yeah. But when you get overpopulation of coyotes, uh, you know, then it adds up too. Hey, Rich here. Sandy and I are pleased at the rapid growth of our exclusive community. Trapping Inc. at Locals.com. We created the community to connect more closely with our fans, friends, and supporters without the interference and censorship of social media companies. Because this community is subscriber exclusive, there is no censored photos, shadow banning, and deplatforming as happens on Twitter and Facebook. Trolls are non-existent as not a one will spend a nickel and put their money where their mouth is to protest on a paid site. You know it. We are steadily moving all Trapping Inc. YouTube videos and podcasts as quickly as time and bandwidth allow. We're tickled and surprised to see how large of library we must move. As well, we are sharing articles on trapping and guns and shooting. Our new TV series, Married to the Hunt, videos are here too. Hours and hours of never before released to the internet hunting and fishing from around the world trappinginc.locals.com will be the exclusive home of all trapping ink content from the past and into the future what else is there to do well there's a forum for everyone to post pictures on and interact you can message us directly on trappinginc.locals.com as well as interact with all the other subscribers these are all people with common interests get in here this whole venture is about taking the trapping ink tv community to the next level building a community of shared interest and interacting with all of our friends who knows where we can go from here just go to locals.com and sign up for a free account then search for trapping inc and subscribe for five dollars a month that's it go to locals.com to open a free account and then subscribe for five dollars a month to trapping inc help us spread the truth about a way of life and the responsible ethical management of the wild resources trappinginc.locals.com now back to the show how big are your eastern kites like what would they weigh what would your average kite weigh i've never weighed one before i guess i never really thought about it uh i hear yours are fairly small compared to like uh you know in the states or some places in the states or whatever um i don't know probably like average like 30 to 40 pounds probably average i will take a 24 25 pound female every day of the week because she'll she'll bring me 150 bucks every time <laughs> yeah know, they have like, nice like silky fur right like the females yeah. the younger females are like the best uh well no an adult may adult females is fine what what we have okay. though is is the fur is much silkier like i've i've looked yeah. at at eastern coyotes compared to western and the eastern is much 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 coarser right yeah uh, and and ours are are fluffy and soft it's 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 really quite different but that's great yeah i was watching like uh uh nine like nine eleven ryan i don't know how to pronounce his last name you've done stuff with him ryan Dimchinsky, but when he's, yes yeah when he's skinning like you can just see it's just like a fluff ball on their yeah. like their and it's like wow like and i think you know definitely our eastern coyotes are pretty good like they're a good eastern coyote in terms of an eastern coyote they're not like a western coyote um but they're definitely a lot better than like you know people well, in like kentucky or something like that. well you, you you talked about the dollars you got for them i was uh you you got good money for them you know like okay I mean, they, yeah they did you did well on them like that that was uh that's some of the better prices i've seen for for eastern but a lot of a lot of coyotes that show up at the uh at the auction and that do come out of the south and they yeah I mean, it's just a matter yeah. of they don't they don't the average pardon me like it can hurt the like can't because that would be a lot since it's a lot of a lot of the 
southern cows are that are shipped it would hurt like the overall average probably like when you look at it right yeah well, i mean it, they just they don't have the weather to 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 get what we have you know yeah because they like, don't I need mean, that fur the they they prime up based you know the thickness of the leather the prime based on on the amount of daylight and that happens really early here and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it takes cold in order to get thick to get to get that that uh, to go from semi to heavy on your rating okay. and that that's that's the cold and we and we end up with with that so i mean it's it's they don't have that you know they 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 just don't have the weather so they're never going to be able to have that 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 you know get that same kind of grading but that, that that's interesting yeah well, we have talked for just about an hour here uh, okay it's, it's been a pleasure i have enjoyed uh chatting with you yeah and it was I, great I, yeah i'd like to chat with you again one day and and uh you got to take up bluefin uh, tuna fishing because I want to. I want to go bluefin tuna fishing. Oh, <laughs> I like I said, like I was telling you, like I've been, I've done deep, some deep sea fishing, like with the family or whatever, cod and stuff, like chucking, getting mackerel for bait, and then using that you, to catch the cod. Or whatever. you live on an island. <laughs> what do you mean you've yeah. done some? <laughs> well, <laughs> like it's 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 definitely like it's either you own a boat or you pay money to go on like a like a charter or something right i've flown 30 hours one way to go fish deep sea fishing (laughs) 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 well sir it has been a pleasure you have a uh, a youtube site right i do yeah i do give give everybody a, a shout out how they can find you Okay, so it's my channel is fairly small, so it's kind of hard to find. But if it's if you go if you go to YouTube and search up my side, that's uh, just all one word, and then space bushcraft. I do some quite a few bushcraft videos. I'm trying to do some more trapping as well. But if you search up my side bushcraft, you should be able to find me there. Find my videos and then check out my channel if you so if you please, and uh, that'd be great. But that's perfect. That's perfect. You know what? I'm 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 happy to talk with you, and and it's it's so nice to see a a, a nice young uh, young fella. And you know, you you make me feel better about the world. Tell your mom <laughs> and dad they're doing a good job. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thank you everybody for joining us, and uh, I hope you had as much fun as we did. And maybe we'll see you down the line. All right, we'll see you.